89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And joining me uh, via Zoom is Karen Dimke. We're going to hear her uh, remarkable story of the work that she does and her family story tonight as well. Karen, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's very appropriate, actually, considering it's just recently been the International Day of People with a Disability. Yes, exactly. Yes. And we are yeah. going to talk about that tonight, uh, which is wonderful. So uh, let's let's get stuck straight into that, uh, Karen, mm-hmm. and your story. It's a, a story I, I'd imagine that had a lot of emotions at the start um, and has had a lot of work and joy as you've gone through. Could you take us uh, to the start of your story? Oh, gosh. All right. Well, I suppose, uh, and it's ironic again or interesting that my son... Uh, We'll be turning 30 on this Sunday and we've, we've got a big family celebration. But um, I was very happily married with two um, beautiful little girls and um, my husband was keen to have a third child. So along came Jordan and uh, all was going very well until I had an ultrasound at 20 weeks. And when I had an ultrasound, the ultrasound um, specialist, and it was very early days for these things, said, oh, look, there's a slight abnormality, but, you know, come back at, um, at 32 weeks and we'll just double check it. It'll be fine. It was a slight problem with the kidney. So I went back at 32 weeks and I always think that if, uh, if I ever go to hell, I'll go to an ultrasound room. <laughs> And I trust I won't because I have faith in my saviour. But, um, geez, uh, you know, they sort of checked it over and then the lady stopped and she walked out of the room and then someone else came in and then somebody else came in and then finally the doctor came in and they were were re-scanning, re-scanning and they said, I'm very sorry, there's something wrong with the baby's brain. Mm. So what they, they had just got a new equipment, actually. They asked, could I, would I be happy to, because they had checked the other abnormality and they said, no, no, it's fine, fine, but we've got a new equipment. So that was the beginning of a big journey. I had to go mm-hmm. back every four or five days and what they identified was that basically my little baby had half a brain missing. Mm. Wow. Uh, at, at this point, did you even know that was something that was possible for, for babies to be, you know, no. to, to have that sort of abnormality? No idea. And there yeah. was um, a lot of conversation with the medical team because the neurosurgeon who suddenly became involved wanted to operate immediately. Um, there was other considerations um, and my daughter has actually got very actively involved in South Australia with there's just been recently passed in a, an abortion to birth um, legislation in South Australia, which has just passed the upper house and it's now going to the lower house. So there was even some consideration about, you know, would this child be born okay? Because it looked pretty bad. But ultimately, um, Jordan was born. We called him Jordan because there was a lot of trouble in the country, Jordan, at the time. (laughs) And uh, he looked perfect. He looked absolutely beautiful. And if I hadn't had that ultrasound, we would have had no idea. Mm. And so from that perspective, I suppose before before we hear some of the journey of of actually, um, you know, Jordan's first and early years, 
Could I just go through some of the emotions, both the emotions and I suppose the spiritual part of, of what that was um, to walk in and go be told this and then have to uh, be think through these things to have these conversations, people suggesting various things. Um, how did you prepare yourself um, for uh, the birth of your child, knowing that, hey, look, he's going to be born with, with half the brain that everyone else has? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I was quite numb. Um, my has, husband was shattered, but I just walked through the motions. Um, and they say that when a cat plays with a mouse, the mouse just sort of sort of goes numb with it. And I, I felt like that. But I was incredibly, incredibly grateful to have my whole community, church community, family, friends holding me up in prayer. I just felt I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even think. All I could do was get there and wait. And I just felt held by my family and my friends. Yeah. yeah. So Jordan's born. Um, you said, you know, unless unless you had these scans, you wouldn't have even uh, known. Uh, take us through those early months and then the early years with Jordan. Oh. Well, I think that's when the rubber really started hit the road because he was immediately whisked away and I was um, had um, injections into his fontanelle, that soft part on the top of your brain, and had scans and CAT scans and ECGs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because they had no idea. They'd never seen anything like this before. And um, so ultimately the, the head neurosurgeon Monash Medical Centre, Miss Lewis, decided to um, put in a shunt. And the shunt is like a little aggie pipe that sticks in your brain that drains fluid. And because what they'd found, it was quite unusual, is that he actually didn't have pressure on his brain, like hydrocephalus it's called, where there's pressure that pushes the brain. There was no pressure but had slightly increased protein levels. And you have your brain floats in like little four little swimming pools called ventricles, and one of those ventricles had got very large. So they ultimately put in a shunt. And this is where my argument with God started, actually, because then it was like, well, you know, okay, because I'm a bit of an optimist. I'm a positive person. I thought, well, you know, everyone pray. Everyone pray for a successful operation, please. You know, my life had been really good up until this point and been fine. But the first shunt operation occurred and it was unsuccessful. And possibly, maybe, we don't know, but he may have um, got cerebral palsy as a result of that unsuccessful operation. Wow. So I was not very happy with God about this one. Yeah. I did a lot of screaming in God at my car, in my car. And, uh, and it went from, he ended up being in hospital for over a month. Um, he's had various revisions. Um, he, my marriage broke down as a result of, um, at the time, I just hadn't, that was just another whammy because we were the perfect couple, you know, we used to be up the front of the church and leading church. And, you know, I thought, well, yeah. People would say, oh, he's left because of, you know, you've had a child with a disability. And I'd have thought, no, he hasn't. Like, I don't know what, you know. It was just terrible for about seven years. It was completely overwhelming. Mm. Mm. And then he had seizures and, and you can hear the emotion in my voice. Um, yeah, it was really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had these other two little girls at home as well. So, 
Mm. And I wasn't very happy with God. Yeah. But luckily my friends were still praying for me because I couldn't pray anymore. Yeah. Um, we, we want to talk about, about that spiritual part of it because I, I think mm. there might be many who listen, um, yeah. and especially perhaps people who are listening right now who, who aren't those of a Christian faith who think, oh, gee whiz, that, uh, are you saying that you were upset with God and that, that was okay? Uh, are you saying that was, that was not too, you know, you were allowed to be like that? Um, let's oh. just dig into that for a second. I, I think yeah. that is something that is remarkably unique about uh, Jesus, about God, who um, yeah. says, I understand that real things are happening. Um, yeah. From your perspective, um, what has it meant spiritually to be able to have those moments where you just went, God, I'm just really unhappy with you right now? Mm-hmm. Well, look, it's been a big spiritual journey for me because I did grow up in a church family and my life had gone very well. And, you know, I sort of saw God as the big sugar daddy in the sky where you just prayed and, you know, things would turn out okay and, and things did not turn out okay. You know, Jordan, my marriage, everything, everything I prayed for. And and I learned that... Um, God, God is a God of suffering and God doesn't have a magic wand to make things, you know, but Jesus walked with me in that suffering. He knows loss. He knows grief. He knows disloyalty. He knows. Um, and I've got up here on my wall, which someone gave me at the time, which is I've held on to the whole time, which is God is faithful. So, God shifted from being this sugar daddy in the sky who mag- waved a magic wand to being someone who walked with me and, and walked with me through the support of the family and the friends and the community around me who held me up when I couldn't stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> as you stand now and look back 30 years, uh, also yeah. 20, 20 plus years from some of the really toughest of tough times, mm. um, where is that spiritual understanding now? How do you, you know, you've said you, you view God during that time, it changed from the sugar daddy to someone walking. What, what does God mean to you now? Well, it's an interest, very interesting question. And I've gone from a very black and white picture of who God is, or, you know, what, what you might describe as a binary of, you know, things being black and white to, I thought, I, you know, we, we understand that um, I've learned a huge amount through suffering and I've learned a huge amount um, about empathy and not judging other people. Um, and, and even as I said, you know, my daughter and is very involved in right to life. I totally understand that decision about shall I go ahead with this birth or not? I might have a child with a, disability I might have a child who's a vegetable so my faith has shifted to one that's um, much more about compassion and I've seen the God of compassion and the God who works walks with me on those really hard hard roads and um, and the God of community um, that you know at the church is about community and sometimes we have faith and we get really angry at God I was so I, I still, I've only just started to pray again, and, but I've had pr- people who prayed for me and I just trusted that. So, 
yeah, it's more, it's shifted enormously. I've been tipped out of my container and I've found a new space that I can return to, um, which is much more solid and much more compassionate and much more empathetic. Mm. It's a God of grace. Yeah, we're going to explore a bit more of that journey. And also uh, some of the uh, aspects of Karen's life as uh, she continued to, to live uh, and to, to walk with Jordan over those uh, years from sort of, you know, 10 plus to where he is today. And uh, some of the from zero, he was zero. That's right. Oh, no, I was meaning from where where you talked about it, where you talked up to about the age of 10 or so. So let's talk about some more of that on the way next here on 89.9. Okay, thank you. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9, the light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And joining me is Karen Dimke. It is wonderful to hear your story, Karen. It's, um, I I love the stories you said. It's uh, your son's. Uh, Jordan's story and your story and indeed the family story um, as we heard just before if you've just joined us um, Jordan was born with half a brain and and then all of the implications of what occurred Karen you, you mentioned your marriage fell apart it was very stressful um, there was a lot of I- impact especially up to the age of seven ten we were sort of talking about before and um, and a lot of the stress and the spiritual strain for you around that as well. Could you take us through, uh, I suppose, the journey from around that age of seven, eight, nine, ten, to now where he's 30? Um, what has it been like for you and, and Jordan and the family? Well, it's been a journey of grace is all I can say. And, but it's also been a roller coaster, an absolute roller coaster. So um, if I can maybe describe where Jordan is now at 30, um, again, our, our, our immediate situation was very dire. And I said, and as I said, for about seven to 10 years, it was, it was almost like a constant stream of diagnoses, you know, congenital brain abnormality, cerebral palsy, dyspraxia, dyslexia. Um, he's got a severe speech difficulty. He, he, he struggles to say a sentence. It usually takes him about five times to say a sentence. But from the word go, even when he was teeny tiny baby and having that first brain surgery, I could see that little light in his eyes. I could see that he was here and with us. So where he is now is he also has a mild intellectual disability, which was another massive shock because I always thought he was severely dyslexic, but really clever because he's very funny. He's a DJ. He um, plays music um, for all of our friends' parties and for his work. He works full-time at Arts Project Victoria. He had a traineeship and an internship. He's a well-recognised artist. He plays basketball a couple of times a week. He's had a girlfriend, although he's looking for another one, a beautiful (laughs) girlfriend. Um, He'd like me to put it. And currently... Um, if anyone wants to see it, his face is actually up on the State Library in uh, Melbourne because the organisation he worked for, Arts Project Victoria, won the best COVID response for an organisation and Jordan was their pin-up boy. Wow, there you go. Yes, and he also works for Q Art at the Q Gallery Endeavour Foundation and, again, creates art um, on commission. So. Wonderful. He's just achieved amazing, amazing things. Yeah, e- excellent stuff. 
Um, uh, from a perspective of, I suppose, um, what a life means for uh, a mother uh, of somebody in terms of care changes. You know, we, we understand that from, uh, we all know if we're going to have a baby, then the, the care is going to be really intense at the start. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be certain levels. We've, we've got a different experiences we can go to. Um, is there always a constant learning of care as a mother uh, for someone who is, you know, so you know, funny as Jordan and living all the various aspects that you mentioned of what Jordan lives with. Is there, is there a, a playbook you can go to and say, well, look, this is what I'm following. Like everyone else does as they, they grow through. Oh no. <laughs> well, there's no playbook. I don't think in ever for anyone and it's different for everyone, but um, I, I eventually had to get to a point to, because we had a long time trying to diagnose what was wrong because Jordan doesn't fit in any box. Um, I just had to say, and one of the big learnings was taking it one t- day at a time. This is Jordan. This is what it's like. Let's just have to deal with it. Mm. Um, and, you know, there were, like I said, a lot of difficulties, um, prejudice. You know, I, can, I still remember walking out of kindergarten where everyone got an invitation and he was seven and he still couldn't speak and he didn't get an invitation. Mm. Um, you know, the first time he rang up on the telephone to order something and because his speech is difficult, the man on the phone abused him that he was drunk. Mm. So, you know, it's about saying this is who you are. This is what it's like, but saying we've got high expectations. You can do it. You can do it. Building that growth mindset yeah. um, all of the time. Yeah. Uh, Karen, um, I- I'd love to uh, find out if um, living and, uh, and uh, being that close connection to Jordan is what has influenced your choice of work. I'm guessing it probably has, but I don't want to assume that. Could you share a bit of the work that you now do and, and suppose answer that question? Oh, yes. Well, that's, thank you. Um, well, it's sort of funny, you know, the area of work that I am in, which is with vulnerable learners. I was originally trained as a teacher, English, majored in Shakespeare and Chaucer. And now I primarily work, have worked with vulnerable learners, people who have been unsuccessful at school, people who have specific learning difficulties such as dyslexia or auditory processing difficulties, people who are homeless. And so, again, that's, it's sort of that personal and the professional just seem to have linked in, but there, um, there is so much limited awareness of where where these sort of people on the fringe who maybe failed school um, fit in. And so that's my passion to really support those type of learners and educators. I actually work with educators, teachers, to support them, to support these sort of learners. Yeah. It must be such a, a remarkably rewarding experience to not only in the work, but to know, uh, mm. that, you know, seeing uh, the example of Jordan and mm. so to be able to, to hopefully have so many more Jordans uh, who are able to express themselves in, in the best ways. Yeah, it's funny. Poor old Jordan. I um, I think I, I, I owe him a lot of money and this is why I'm giving him a nice party because um, I, I, I sort of weave his story into almost everything I do um, because to encourage people to say, you know, even when it seems hopeless, there still is hope and there can still be a future. And, you know, I think people's disabilities, and I know lots of them now, they, they are such, they, they, 
are such a contribution to society. And I'm so sad that, uh, you know, there, there is this trend towards, for example, aborting children who have death syndrome. Jordan's got lots of Down syndrome um, friends and they are just a joy. So, you know, is it hard? Yes, it's hard, but is it um, rewarding? It's amazing. And Jordan's contributed so much to so many people's lives yeah. and his friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, one final question for me, Karen, as mm -hmm. we do finish up, you, you mentioned prejudice before. I, I think there, and we've talked about this previously on this program with others as well, that um, at times when we perhaps meet somebody who has a disability of some sort, it, 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 we're not quite sure we know how to what to do. Should we chat? Should we talk? Should we? What, what's the best way? Is there a way? And you know, by doing that, it, it sort of you know the ignoring of people at times is a prejudice in itself. Mm, if you had indirect, this, yeah. If you had this ability to sort of you know you know Jedi trick everybody and and give them a skill uh, that oh, says. Yeah. How do, we, how do we combat prejudice for those who mm -hmm. are living with disabilities? Um, what would be the thing that you would do? Uh, I think that's a wonderful question. Thank you. Because there is direct and indirect discrimination by exclusion, et cetera. So people with disabilities are human beings. They are human beings. So, you know, if you meet someone who you can't understand how they're speaking, you know, jotting down, um, squatting down eye to eye and saying, hi, how are you going? Sorry, I didn't understand that. And um, including them um, in celebrations and communities and um, parties, et cetera, et cetera. That like, and, you know, sometimes they can be wearing and they can be tricky, but um, I think just recognising that each person is unique, each person is loved by God, each person um, has, has a value. And, and giving that positive, positive, unconditional regard to each and every single human being. I think, yeah. that's, um, I think that's what I'd like to Jedi. I love that. Jedi <laughs> trick. All right. Well, let, let's, let's uh, teach you a few more of the Jedi tricks and then you can do that. That'll be wonderful, Karen. Yeah, it, right. It, it is wonderful to have heard your story today. Thank you for it. Um, I, I love that. You know, I'm not quite sure we've ever uh, crammed this much into one interview before. We've talked about our sp <laughs> the spiritual side of things. We've talked about the, the prejudice. We've talked about um, understanding and learning and growing and how it impacts uh, the way we go about our work as well. But Karen, thank you so much for being willing to share your story and Jordan's story. We uh, wish him a very happy birthday as well. So thank thanks you. for your time. Thanks, Clayton. Thank you for the invitation. Karen Dimke, she's my guest here on 89.9 The Light.